When I was growing up in my house as a teenager, uh, my family had a rule that I had to be at home by midnight, no exceptions. It was a family value. There, there, there were times when I realized that uh, being home at midnight was our family value, but not every family had that same value. I had friends, and their parents didn't have any kind of rule about them being home at midnight. Um, I'm not even sure they had rules that they had to be at home at all. In fact, I have a thought that some of those parents would just as soon their, parent, their kids didn't come home, and they were my friends. And so, uh, my family had a clear rule. You'll be home at midnight, no exceptions. And that was a rule, a value that I broke at different times. I know that's hard to imagine that I would break that family value, but I did, and it created chaos. It seemed like an unreasonable rule. It seemed like an unreasonable value for us to have, and so there were times to my own pain and even shame that I broke that rule, and the penalties were severe. Uh, And I can't imagine as a teenager, as I was a teenager, I could not imagine why in the world would my parents be so rigid and unfeeling toward me to make me behave in a way that was so out of character with all my friends who could stay out as late as they ever wanted to. How unjust, I thought to myself. When I became a parent of teenagers, Edie and I had a rule in our house that you had to be home by midnight. We weren't as rigid as my parents were. And by the way, my parents watched this message at the earlier hour, and they didn't rebuke me at all for saying this, but I, I wasn't as rigid as my parents were. Uh, Edie and I were not. We we said that there might be some exceptions uh, to that rule. But if there were exceptions, if there were moments when you were unable to be home by midnight, the difference between when I was a teenager and when my girls were teenagers, one invention that has made all the difference. It's called a cell phone. And in my children, we're not going to be home by midnight. They needed to pick up the phone, send a text, call it in. They could even FaceTime it in, but they needed to let us know that they weren't going to be home. But that was the exception. They had to live in the rule. That was a family value. God has given this church family and every family of his values by which we live. Now, when I followed the family values in our home growing up as a teenager, it led to um, uh, 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 led to a sense of joy as they, as my parents set a boundary that I could not cross. I needed to live within those boundaries. And I can't tell you how much trouble I avoided in my life because I told my buddies, if I don't get home by midnight, I'm going to be toast. 
There was a, a friend of mine, his name was John Taylor, and he made it his business to do all kinds of grief and uh, crazy things. And John Taylor, uh, after he and my other friend dropped me off at midnight, they left my house and they ran to the Taco Bell and they climbed up on the roof of Taco Bell and tried to steal the bell off of Taco Bell. I was not involved in that mayhem because I had to be home by midnight. It was a rule. Uh, so that rule, that, that value provided joy, and some of the joy I never even imagined until later on in life. Um, the values that God sets for us as a family, as a church, provide joy and provide satisfaction. They provide joy for us because we are, by following these values, by embracing these values, we are bringing glory to God. They bring satisfaction because as we follow these values, as we embrace these values, we are reflecting Jesus to a watching world because these values are not easy. The values we're going to look at today in Romans 12, they're not easy. They're, they're not. They're hard. Uh, they're tough. In fact, let's just read them. I want, I want you to follow along with me. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. Okay, so these are family values. These are the rules that we are to follow. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't set your mind on the lofty things, but associate or be swept away with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of everyone. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with everyone. Beloved, my dear friends, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give room to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is, if you're who? What's that word? enemy. That's not your friend. That's not your buddy. That's not your cousin. That's not your nephew. That's not the person who treats you kindly. It's not the person that you go play golf with that is always nice to you. It's not, it's not your mama. It's not your daddy. This is your enemy, not your frenemy, your enemy. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And verse 21 is probably the theme of this entire section, the, the, the house rule, the family value that, that drives them all. Do not be overcome with the bad stuff, but overcome the bad stuff with good. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. As we look at these passages, as we look at these family values, I, I want us, I, and again, I know it's going to be so easy for you just to listen to this, take a few notes, and go on and nothing's changed. 
But guys, I've been praying hard for us this week that we would hear what God has to say and it would change the way we live. It would change this family called First Norfolk, that it would, that it would a, a change the way we look at each other and the way we treat each other, that it would change the way we look at those outside of this family of faith and how we respond to those outside this family of faith. I've been praying hard that what we receive today from God through His Word by application of His Holy Spirit, it's my prayer that that it would sink into your heart and mine so that we're different. You see, that really is what we're supposed to be doing every time we get together. Every time we get together for corporate worship, we're supposed to encounter God in a way that changes us to be more like Jesus. Y'all get that, right? Every time we gather together, we're supposed to encounter God in a way that changes us to make us more like Jesus. And the Spirit of God does that work through the Word of God applied to our heart and life. And, and man, I just, I want us to be different. I want us to live up to what it means to be the family of God. God has made us family. We're part of family, so I want us to live up to that. I've been praying that we would, that I would live up to that. After all, when we began uh, looking in Romans chapter 12, you remember Romans 12, 1 and 2? Do you all remember that one? Romans 12, 1 and 2, I I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service of worship. And don't be conformed any longer to the mold of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove that which is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You remember that we talked about the mercies of God. We talked about this last week as well. The mercies of God. What are the mercies of God? The mercies of God, that's that's what God has done for us through Jesus Christ to bring us into his family. It's the mercies of God where God sent Jesus to bridge the distance that our sin had created between us and him. And Jesus came and he died for our sin upon a cross. And he was raised from the dead to give us new life. And and when we place our faith in Jesus, our life is changed. We've received these wonderful mercies of God. I think of Romans chapter 8 verse 1 and one of my favorite passages um, and when I think of the mercies of God and what God has done for me in Christ, I, I think Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Good gravy, great goodness. I'm no longer shrouded in the shame that my sin had created. I've been set free. Wow. No condemnation. Because of Jesus, that's the mercies of God. Now, the mercies of God should change the way I live my life. It's easy to be conformed to the mold of the world. I mean, I've got friends like John Taylor wants to steal the bell off Taco Bell, and you've got those friends too, and, 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 and it's easy to just kind of fall in line with that kind of living. But, but when we base our life on the mercies of God, it leads us 
to be a living sacrifice to God. That's what worship is. Worship is where I give all that I am to God. I sacrifice self. And I want you to write that down because this is so important. You and I must sacrifice self. That's what worship does. It sacrifices self. But the payoff is so much better. You see, rather than self, I've got relationship with God. I've I've got satisfaction in living for God's glory. So here's what I want us to see. I want us to see this. When we allow the Spirit of God to transform our lives... So we're no longer just content to live in the mold of this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. When when that begins to happen in us, and it's a process, and the theological term is called sanctification. When, When the Spirit of God takes our mind and adjusts the way we think and the way we see and the way we feel and the way we live so that we're sacrificing self on the altar as an act of worship to God for His glory in that moment... We experience satisfaction. Now, what we come to in 1214 through 21 is that when we fulfill these family values, God is glorified because we're sacrificing self, but also we're satisfied because we're living the fulfillment of who we are in Christ. Guys, I want you to be fulfilled. And by the way, and, and And every sermon, I try to give you some sort of carrot. Oh, do this and you'll get this. Do this and you'll get this. Do this and you'll get this. I really do because I think that that's one of the ways that we respond to what God. Here's the carrot. You ready? As a follower of Jesus, you were made to glorify God, and that should be enough. That's it. That's all I got. You were created. You were made brand new. So that you would glorify God. And if the whole wide world is against you and you get to glorify God, that should be enough. Now, I know, man, I know that that goes against a lot of what you hear. But guys, that's the way it is. As a new creation in Christ, I was made with a yearning and a heart's desire to glorify him. I find my greatest joy in life in bringing him glory. So when we talk about following these family values that he's given us, we're talking about glorifying him, but also being satisfied because we're fulfilling this this grand purpose. And my prayer for you is that, man, this would just take root in your heart. It wouldn't just pass through your ears and and onto paper and then move on, no big deal. I'm praying that this will change us and how we relate to one another here, how we relate to one another in our homes, how we relate to people at our work or people in the community. I, 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 want, I, I think that God wants us to change us so that our life is an act of worship to him, glorifying him, and so that we're satisfied because we're fulfilling our purpose, which is to glorify God. All right? So how does this work? Well, family values that God gives us, and these aren't all the values that he gives us, but it's, it's, it's a representation, and they're hard. You know, I, I know it's hard to do so. I didn't want to have to come home at midnight, but I did most of the time because I knew that to not do that was really stupid because 
my mom and dad loved me, but my dad was a hard man when it came to disobedience. And so I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to displease him. Now, dad was, uh, dad was a hard man when it came to disobedience. Mom was, uh, you know, you've disappointed me. <laughs> you know, that'd break my heart. Anyway, so um, uh, the, these, these values are hard. They're not easy. But because we're followers of Jesus, we're called to do hard things. So, you know, let's buckle up. Let's get ready. What are these values? The first one is God's family blesses. Blesses. That's it. That sounds easy, doesn't it? Oh, bless. Now, what does it mean to bless? To bless means that we plea, make a plea to God. We ask God to pour out his favor on someone. Now, you've heard me over the last uh, year or so end the services with the ironic blessing um, May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he bless your coming in and your going out. May he fill your life with peace, right? That, that's the blessing. And the prayer there is that you would be soaked in God's favor. So, sounds nice. That's a great prayer to pray for your family. Oh, God, will you uh, pour out your favor on my wife and on my children and on my friends and on my church? Will you, will, will you pour out your favor? But, mm, This family value is bigger than that. Look at verse 14. Bless those who, what's the word? Persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So, let me get this straight. The value that we must embrace as a church is that when people persecute us, we should cry out to God for him to pour out his favor on them. The value that we should have as members of this church is that when somebody uh, uh, seeks to hurt me or wants to harm me, my response to them is, oh God, will you pour out your favor on them? And the answer is yes, that's exactly what it means. I know, I know, my goodness, y'all are sitting there, and you're thinking of exceptions to that. Oh, but what if this or what if that? Guys, stop living in the exceptions. Start living in the rule. Our job, the family value. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Don't, don't try to wiggle out of it. I remember when, uh, when I was uh, in college, uh, my parents had moved to Oklahoma, and I was still in Beaumont, Texas, and I was living kind of uh, on my own. I wasn't totally on my own. Mom and Dad still gave me money, uh, but I was finishing up school in Beaumont, and they were in Oklahoma, and I remember going to Oklahoma uh, to visit my family, and, and uh, I, I'd gone up there, and, and of course, I was uh, 19, 20, something like that, and, and uh, uh, uh I went out with uh, some people in the church that I, in, in church that dad pastored up there, and, and we went out, and, um, and I didn't come home at midnight. I was 18, 19, 20 years old. 
I didn't come home. I've been living on my own. I didn't come home at midnight. I, I remember walking in the door, and I don't know what time it was. It was, it was 12, 1 or 2. It was 1 or 2. And uh, I remember walking in the door, and the lights were on, and I went, oh, no. And my dad was sitting on the couch, and he looked at me, and he said, and I can hear him saying it right now, when did the rules change? I was full of myself, but I wasn't so full of myself to know that the right answer to that question is the rule never changed. I said, Dad, Dad, I'm so sorry. I've blown it. I, you know, da 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 da. You know, and I was, I was repentant, mostly on by self defense, you know. But, but I was, I, you know, I'm so sorry. I've done this. And Dad said, We will talk about it in the morning, which meant he's going to go get some sleep. But I'm not sleeping at all for the rest of the night. <laughs> the rule didn't change. What we try to do is we try to find loopholes in this, bless those who persecute us, but the rule doesn't change. Don't live in the exception, live in the rule. Somebody says something ugly to you or about you, you know what we're supposed to do? Oh God, will you pour out your favor upon them? Do you know this is what Jesus did? Jesus hanging on a cross, he's dying. The people that are, you know, spitting on him and and yelling at him and, and, and who've whipped him. Those same people are, are, are around him. Jesus hanging on a cross. He looks down on those people that have beaten him and who have nailed his hands and feet and stick a spear in his side. He looks on them and he says, Father, forgive them. That, that is how we're supposed to live. See, we're supposed to be reflecting Jesus. That's blessing. So when I say God's family blesses, I'm not just talking about God's family blesses those who bless us. God's not saying just bless those who are nice to you or bless those who are related to you or bless those who are blood. And he says bless those who persecute you. And Jesus in Matthew 5, Sermon on the Mount, he said, he said you've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you bless those who persecute you or bless those who curse you and pray for those who uh, uh, spitefully use you so that you might uh, display that you are sons and daughters of God. Guys, we're, we're in this business to tell others how great God is and here's the value that helps us do it. We bless those who persecute us. We bless those who bless us too, but we bless those who persecute us. You see how, how different that is? Boy, talking about making it hard to be a politician. Can you imagine? I'm, I'm serious. If you're running for office, the, the standard operating procedure, somebody says something bad about you, you find some dirt on them, and you, you start throwing and slinging. But if I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm representing Christ, if I'm, if I'm part of this family, you know what my method has to be? It's not to sling mud but to pray God's favor upon that opponent. Can you imagine? I mean, every time the Dallas Cowboys have to play the Washington Redskins, I feel this deeply. As a Cowboys fan, I hear what you say about me. 
Thank you. God's family blesses. Second, second family value, God's family cares. This is verse 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I know that sounds self-explanatory, but can I tell you, this one's harder for me than the first one. You might think, well, what? Yeah, it, this one's harder for me. God in his grace has given me four daughters and a wife who've taught me more about how to care. But he started me off with three brothers and no sisters, and they didn't teach me anything about feeling. Over the course of my life, I, I realized that, and Edie and I uh, had, had come to understand, there were things that I did not feel that I should be feeling. That there, there are moments of joy when I should be rejoicing that I just didn't feel those mo- that, it, it, that, that, that exaltation of joy. And, and there were moments of distress that, that I just did not feel. And, and what we discovered is, as I went to counseling and, and as she went with me because of how messed up I was, you know, we, we realized that because of things that had happened in my life, and being a preacher's kid, by the way, is, is a lot of it, um, I, I learned to shut my emotions off. So some of y'all have called me bad things, and, and I smile. I'm, I'm serious. I mean, you, it, there are people who have been really ugly, and I don't, I don't get bent about that. It's not because it doesn't hurt. It's because I have shut, numbed myself to that. And that might be okay for a season, but it makes you a terrible husband, and it makes you a terrible dad. And so I had to learn to rejoice with those who rejoice and grieve with those who grieve, and I'm still learning. Y'all can pray for me. Edie, and I, I know I pray for myself every day, and I know Edie prays for me as well. Lord, help Eric feel what he should feel. It's a sad kind of prayer, but it's true. You know, we, we need to feel for one another. We need to risk ourselves sufficiently to where we rejoice when a brother or sister rejoices. We need to risk ourselves sufficiently so we grieve with those who are grieving. We care about what's going on in your life. Do you think the person sitting next to you cares about you? Oh, I pray that you do think that. And if you don't, I pray that we would show it to one another. God's family blesses even those that seek our hurt or harm. God's family cares. Are you feeling for others the way you're supposed to feel for others? I I mean... Um, because of the work of the Spirit of God in my life today, I care more than I've ever cared before. And I'm thankful for that. Today, if one of my daughters were to come and start crying and talk about how uh, tough things have happened to her, my response today would not be, as it has been in the past, suck it up, buttercup. But my response today, hopefully prayerfully, is, honey, let me just sit and 
cry with you. Let me just sit and pray with you. Honey, I, I just want to help. And maybe that just means I need to sit and listen or to weep or to laugh. Do you care about the people around you in this, in this space? That way, we're supposed to. God's family cares. God's family blesses. God's family embraces humility. We talked about this last week, and I, I don't want to belabor it too much, but um, think of it this way. The New York Yankees, right? The New York Yankees, they play baseball, in case you didn't know, Major League Baseball. You know, uh, it's the Dallas Cowboys, the Major League. See, that's what I'm talking about, you know. Um, For the history of the New York Yankees, they have always had jerseys that had numbers but no names on the back. Even when other teams, even when the major leagues said, you've got to put a person's name on their back, the New York Yankees said, no, we will not put a name on the back. We'll put numbers on the back, but we're not going to put a name. And they said the reason why they will only put numbers and not names is because there is not one player who is bigger than the team. Now listen to what Paul said, verse 16. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on lofty things. That means don't be so ambitious, but be swept away with humble, with the humble. Be swept away by humility. Do not be wise in your own eyes. You know what he's saying? He's saying there is not one person on this team who is more important, bigger than the team. No one here is more important than anyone else. Have the same opinion. That's a picture of being a team. And we are a team. We're a family, but we're a team, and we have one goal, and that goal is to glorify God by winning and leading all the people within our reach to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And that's, our, that's, that's us. That's, that's our goal. And so we need to have that same mindset, all of us, top to bottom, inside and out. We have the same mindset. But having that mindset means that, that uh, we work in harmony. The greatest enemy of harmony is pride. Let me say that again. The greatest enemy to harmony is pride. You think you know better than Bill. You think you're more important than Sue. You think you've got it better than somebody else. That's pride. Now, here's what God tells us. Family value. Embrace humility, not pride. If we're going to work in harmony, then we need to stop being so ambitious for our own opinions, and we need to embrace the humble things. The humble people. We need, to, we need to not consider how one person has money and the other person don't, doesn't. So we're going to treat the person with money better in this family than the person who doesn't have money. If you ever see that in this church, you need to call it out. You say, no, never. We don't do that. 
We embrace the humble, the lowly. We embrace humility for ourselves. Uh, you, you know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, don't you? Pro- maybe you don't, but here, here, here it goes. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Y'all know that verse? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. We also ought to memorize verse 7, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7. Do you know what 7 says? Do not be wise in your own eyes, but live in the fear of the Lord. Simple. Simple value. You're not all that in a jar of peanut butter, too. Neither am I. But together we are family. And because we're family, my opinion isn't better than yours. Just because I like chunky peanut butter and you like smooth. And we, we don't need to be wise in our own opinion, but rather, according to Scripture, we're supposed to submit to God. Living in the fear of the Lord means that we live submitted to Him, dependent upon Him. For us as a family, the thing that gives us joy, the things that satisfies us is when we glorify God by living in submission to Him and in dependence on, to Him. But also, we're to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Submitting to one another it means I'm not saying, well, I'm more important than you. You ever hear anybody say anything like that or act like that? You need to call it out and say, man, you're not following our values. You're not more important than me. I'm not more important than you. There is no one member of the team more important than the team. We're a family with numbers, but no names on the jerseys. God's family embraces humility. And then the final value that we look at here is maybe the, it, it's, it's a recap of, of the first one in, in some ways, but it's bigger than that. God's family overcomes evil with good. Now, again, you can read verses 17 through 21. It uh, begins by saying, repay, don't repay evil for evil. Somebody punches you in the nose, don't punch them in the nose. The implication is, as you get down into it, the implication from Proverbs chapter 25, the little quotation down there, not vengeance is mine, says the Lord, but the last one says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread. If your enemy is thirsty, give him drink, thereby uh, piling coals of fire upon his head. Instead of responding to a punch in the face with a punch in the face or something less, you turn it and you respond with something good, something kind. Somebody cusses me, I want to cuss them, but what this says is somebody cusses me, I need to say, look, I want to know how I can be a blessing to you today. Uh, Somebody says something ugly about me or to me, I need to respond and say, look, it's obvious that you're hurting. It's obvious, and maybe I'm the cause of it. I don't know, but let, let's just sit down and talk. Can, I, I just want to be a blessing to you. 
You might say, well, yeah, you just don't know how toxic those people are. You'd be surprised what I know. But we're not living the exception. We're living in the rule. See, my job is to glorify God and to represent Jesus to a watching world. And what better way to be countercultural than when somebody seeks to hurt me I respond by seeking to be kind to them. That's not just a strategy, it's a family value. Do you realize that the way we overcome evil is by pursuing the good? Again, thus says the Lord. Not Eric. This is what God says the family value that we embrace is we respond to hurt with love. We respond to hate with kindness. Somebody disrespects you, your response, I'm going to be a blessing to them. So here's the deal and the way we closed it. I know this is hard. I mean, I really do. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've studied this all week, and, and i got to tell you, it, it's painful for me. There's so many pieces of these family values that I know are not as alive in me as they should be. But when we embrace and follow and fulfill these family values, then God is glorified. And guys, when God is glorified by how I'm living, I'm going to be satisfied. I know it's big. I know it's hard. But God has promised to give us the grace that we need to fulfill His will. So the question is, will you step into the family values that God has clearly said we must pursue? Or will you just be disobedient? There's not a third option. So right now, let's pray together. Just join me in prayer. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Today, maybe what God is speaking into your world is and, and applying by His Holy Spirit to your life is this. You, you're a follower of Jesus. You're part of this family of faith. But, but maybe you have not responded to persecution with um, blessing. Maybe, you, maybe you've thought, well, I, it's my job to go to war. No, guys, it's not. It's your job to represent Jesus well, and that means you bless those who curse you. It means you don't repay evil for evil, but really, uh, but rather, as much as depends upon you and me, let's live peaceably with others. All right, my job is not to go to war. My job is not to fight. My job is to represent Jesus well. So the question maybe that you're asking yourself is, or maybe that you'd be courageous enough to ask God, God, will you show me how I can bless where I haven't been blessing? Lord, will you, will you open my eyes and open my heart to see how I can bless those in my family and those outside my family? 
Those in my church, those outside my church, show me how to be a blessing. Show me how to bless. Maybe there are people in your world right now that are uh, hostile toward you or you feel like they're persecuting you or being ugly, about, uh, ugly toward you. They're, they're being hate or hate-filled toward you. Will you have the courage today to pray, oh God, will you pour out your favor upon them? Be a blessing. And maybe you're like me and uh, you've walled off your emotions from people in an act of personal safety or whatever it is for you. And today, God has opened your eyes to the need of rejoicing with people who rejoice and weeping with people who weep. Opening your heart to care about the people around you in this family, to care about where they are and what they're going through. Maybe today you would just have the courage to say, oh God, will you help for me to care about the person to my right or the person to my left. Maybe before you leave this room, maybe there's somebody in this room you need to go and say, hey, listen, God just laid you upon my heart and I want to know, is there anything I can, I can pray with you about? Is there, let's get together and let's have coffee and let's talk. And maybe God just slapped you in the face about your own personal pride, thinking you're the center of the universe. <laughs> and, and you come to realize you're not. The family value is not, boy, am I a big deal. The family value is, I need to be swept away with humility. So maybe today you just need to confess the pride in your heart and acknowledge that you need the Spirit of God to keep you and make you humble. Finally, maybe today you're here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ and you long to know Him. You long to come into a relationship with Him. You, you, you see that your sin has created a chasm between you and a holy God and, and you believe that Jesus is your only hope for rescue that he died on a cross for your sin, that he was raised from the dead to give you a new life. You see Jesus, but now you don't know what to do with it. And today I invite you to cry out to God, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for my sin upon a cross, that he rose again to give me a new life. So God, today I beg you, forgive my sin. I pray that you would give me a new heart, a new mind, a new way of life. God, I surrender all that I am to you. If that's the desire of your heart, if that prayer is a reflection of the desire of your heart, I invite you in the next few moments to come to this altar and, and, and talk to one of the ministers, or maybe you can uh, go to the next step station in the lobby and talk to uh, someone there in the next step station. But don't leave this place unchanged. This altar is going to be open for anybody who desires to come and pray. Ministers are here to help you in any spiritual decisions that you might have. So God, I pray that you would help us to fulfill the family values that you've taught us today. Plant them in our hearts and change the way we live because of them. Be glorified. As we worship you in these next few moments, give us courage to respond to what you've called us to do. 
And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.